the 322nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're way to worthy, worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys here to get you ready for <laughs> another road game for Carolina. They're on the road at Georgia Tech Tuesday night, 7 p.m. tip. Over on the mothership, that game will be on ESPN. We're here to get you ready for that matchup. We'll break down the Yellow Jackets, tell you everything you need to know about Carolina. Got two discussion topics for you, including I'll explain why I hate being 9-0. and Give our keys to the game, pick the game, and so much more. But we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day. And uh, we have a great quote. Although it's from a guy that I don't ever, I don't even know who he is. His name is Chris Dukar, and his thought is, quote, We compete in everything we do. Every day, every practice, we compete and we track results. If you're not keeping score, you're, not, you're losing a huge opportunity. You either win or you lose. You shouldn't have to apologize for being naturally competitive. That's not how life works. I think that's a great quote um, that our generation likes needs to hear because we grew up in a day and time where everyone's a winner and no one's a loser. We give out participation trophies, and we want to make sure that no matter what you did, you, 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 you achieved and you succeeded. Then you turn 18, you go to job, you go to college, join the military, and you find out the hard way. That ain't how life works. It's why sports is maybe the greatest teacher we have for our everyday walk in life. Because you're going to succeed and you're going to fail. And I think what makes this group so special is you've got a core that's achieved a lot. R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott played for a national championship. You've also got a core that has failed a lot. R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott. Started preseason number one, missed the NCAA tournament. But you bring in 
a core of dudes off the recruiting trail and out of the transfer portal that are naturally competitors. Harrison Ingram, Cormac Ryan. And they change the dynamic of who you have, what you have, and what you're made of. And, you know, I, we, we got told when Hubert Davis got hired, not a more fierce competitor in the world you're going to meet. He's nice to you until he walks in between the lines of competition, and then he wants to beat your rear end. And the first two years, I think we saw it. We saw glimpses of it. We saw moments of it. But you never really get to you never really get to solve or see the, the the real Huber Davis. Man, we've seen the real Huber Davis this year. I don't know what's underneath that blazer, but it's a blazer that uh, has brought out the the natural competitor that exists in him, and his team responds. Um, they react to it, and it's 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 really easy to see why this group gels so much because for the first time in his three years and his tenure as the head coach of Carolina basketball, you've got a group that reflects what their coach walks in everyday life. Well, you could tell. I mean, this is this is the type of fire that we heard that Hubert Davis always had. And, you know, we just didn't really see it a whole lot his first two years. We would see flashes of it, especially during the tournament run for Carolina. But you just never really felt like Hubert Davis was allowed to be comfortable with the group that he had. Um, and, and to a certain extent, you know, this sort of dates all the way back to when Roy Williams was still in place. And, you know, you saw the way that he kind of had to coach this group different. Some of these guys that were in place. Well, now it feels like he's got his types of type of players. You can see, I mean, you saw the fire uh, in the game against Florida State. You saw, you know, the the players have been bringing that all year. Then you finally saw it from Hubert Davis, and now it's been there all year. But that was really the first moment where we saw Hubert Davis just completely lose his mind. Um, and, and I think, you know, the fact that you're you're seeing Hubert Davis coach the way that, you know, we we heard people say coming into his tenure as a coach, he was going to be now shows you ultimately that this group has gotten him to a com- a, a point of comfort that he needed in order to really start succeeding. First year, that was an amazing run, and that was a tremendous way to start. But last year, you saw w- what it was like to have to transition as a young coach and have to deal with a group that maybe doesn't fit you all that well and that you ultimately end up having to adjust yourself to more than anything. Uh, I think now that you've got these guys in place, that's that's what should have you so excited about the upside of this Carolina team because this is a group that matches his personality and it's allowing him to win and do it at a high level. And it's been a lot of fun to watch and it's a big reason why I think us as a, as a collective fan base, we've wrapped our arms around this group and like for so many years growing up, our life depends on what this team does twice a week for two hours. Our mood is dictated by what they do on the basketball court. They play well and win, life's great. They play bad and lose, life's not so great. Um, and that's been the majority of my life as a as a Carolina basketball fan. Well, Carolina's getting ready for another road test as it feels like they've just lived away from home in conference play. 
Up next is Georgia Tech, um, and the Yellow Jackets are nine and eleven on the season. They're two and seven in the league, coming off a blowout loss at Virginia Tech over the weekend, and a team that has dropped eight of nine after a really solid start to the Damon Stoudemire era uh, that included two wins over ranked opponents at the time, Mississippi State. And believe it or not, they beat Duke back in that weird ACC opener that we all play in early December. There was good energy, good vibes, and then I think reality set in for Stoudemire, um, who's got a difficult job. Georgia Tech is kind of like what Boston College is. It's a program that does have some history, does have some tradition, but it's awfully hard to win there and win there consistently. Um, I do think, since they've moved on from Josh Pastner, this might be a guy that could re-energize the program, get some more talent in here because of what his name is, um, and be able to get you know Georgia Tech back to competitive nature in the ACC. But uh, it's going to be at least a three- to four-year rebuild for him to turn the Yellow Jackets back into a contender in the conference. They do have three players that average double-figure scoring, led by Miles Kelly, 14.3 points, 5.9 rebounds, two assists, shooting 35% from the field, 28% from three. Their second leading scorer, his first name is Bay. And Bay has a different meaning now than it did when we were in middle school and you called your friends Bay. Now you, you don't call your friends Bay, you call your significant other Bay. Uh, Bay Nadongo, 13.1 points, 8.6 rebounds, shooting 61% from the field, 38% from three. And then the last guy in double-figure scoring, Kawasie Reeves Jr., 12.1 points, 4.3 rebounds. Um, he's shooting 45% from the field, 41% from three. You look at Georgia Tech, those those ranked wins actually came in the same week because they played Mississippi State in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Then they followed that up with the win over Duke, and you kind of thought maybe they were going to be the surprise team in the league, the upstart team in the league, and a group that was going to be maybe hard to deal with 20 nights out of the conference season. Just simply not the case. Uh, as I mentioned, they've lost 8 of 9. They're 2-7. and seven on the league, but it does appear that Damon Stoudemire's done a good job getting his guys ready to play at home against the best competition college basketball has to offer. Yeah, I mean, look, that that's the thing, is that this game is in their place. Uh, the other thing that's notable about even during this losing streak, uh, or, you know, eight, eight of nine, as you said, um, I, I mean... The, the thing is, is they've been relatively competitive, especially at home. You know, Boston College, eight-point loss. Notre Dame, now that one, certainly not a great loss for them by any stretch, uh, but that was early in conference play. That was when Notre Dame was still playing. They, they, they started out full conference play relatively well. They lost that game by seven. Virginia, who's definitely playing better here, especially recently, uh, they lost. They lose to them by nine at home, uh, and then their most recent home game against Pitt, again one that they probably feel like it, it, they shouldn't have lost if they were going to be competitive or at least hang around as one of those teams that could pull a few upsets. Uh, but they lose that game by eight. So the thing is, is that even though they are not playing their best basketball right now. This is still a team that keeps things close in their place. And that's kind of been the name of the game for Carolina when they've been on the road. Yes, they've found a way to win these games by double digits. 
But these games have been close, usually at some point in the second half. Georgia Tech has enough firepower to be able to do that, you'd think. And so that's the thing that Carolina's got to be weary of in this game. This is not the greatest team, but at the same time, they have pulled an upset against Duke earlier in the year, so they're not going to be afraid of you coming into their place. And, I mean, look, the thing is for Carolina, the reason why fans will probably be a little concerned as well is once you start getting to this point when you're undefeated in conference play, uh, eventually things start to get a little uglier as you go along. Some of your wins are going to start to look really ugly because, yeah, there's some bad habits that maybe you've sort of settled into that, hey, they've worked to this point, so why are we going to change them? Um, there's some other things that are going to start dip, start dipping just a little bit because, uh, you know, you're getting a little content with where you're at. So, I mean, certainly this could be one of those games for Carolina. The other thing that you have to look at in this matchup is the fact that the game against Duke is your next game on your schedule. So that, you know, certainly could be something that Carolina is looking ahead to, especially after Duke was able to survive Clemson and more than likely set themselves up with a chance to make it a top 10 matchup. Uh, So I I think, you know, that's the thing that you got to look at if you're Carolina heading into this game. You can't take this team lightly because you know they're going to fight. They have a very similar attitude uh, that their head coach does. Uh, We've seen that if you've watched them this year. So expect there to be a a fight in this game. But I think the biggest thing is, does Georgia Tech have the talent level to be able to hold up with Carolina? Man, look, Miles Kelly is maybe the best guard in the conference that no one knows about. Because he plays on a team on a bad with, with a bad record, but um, he's a quality player, um, and they I think they've got dudes maybe one through three that they can compete with, but this is where Carolina's depth should really show up in this game um, because I don't think they're as good as Carolina is, you know, from one to nine. Look at this game from the Carolina perspective: seventeen and three, nine and zero on the season. Um, we are recording on a Sunday, so new, you know, no new AP poll, um, and these statistics have not been updated per you know ESPN or Sports Reference College Basketball. Carolina is nine and zero in the league for the first time since two thousand two thousand one, where they would ultimately share the ACC regular season title that year with Duke. Carolina is third in the AP poll. Expect to stay there this week. Fifth in Ken Palm and sixth in the net, the only ACC team to be in the top ten in all three of those metrics. Carolina does have four guys averaging double-figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis, 21 points, 3.7 rebounds, 3.4 assists, shooting 45% from the field, 42% from three, 14.1 points, 10.3 rebounds to the name of Armando Baycott, who will look to bounce back after a less-than-subpar performance um, at Florida State on Saturday. Harrison Ingram, third on the team in scoring, 12.3 points, 8.2 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 43% from the field, 39% from three. Cormac Ryan, fourth on the team in scoring, 11.1 points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 39% from the field, 29% from three. 
Carolina is averaging making 18.9 free throws, six most in the country, and attempting 24.8 free throws. That's the 13th most in the country. And then the rebounding numbers. Slowly but surely, Carolina's grabbed the national ranks in terms of rebounding. They've been the best rebounding team in conference play. But Carolina's up to 15th in the country in rebounds per game at 41.3, and they're 12th in defensive rebounds per game at 29.5. You mentioned the Duke game. That's on Saturday. Um, It'll be a 6.30 tip against the Blue Devils. College game day will be in town um, for that one. And it's really the first time since Roy Williams left and Coach K left, it'll feel like a Duke-Carolina game. Um, because you'll have at least two of the top 12 teams in the country and two of the top teams in the ACC will square off and do battle in the first reinstallment of the greatest rivalry in sports. But between that, Carolina's got to take on Georgia Tech. And we talked about Boston College before the Wake Forest game, that being a trap game. But there's no there's no doubt with all the height and, and expectation and anticipation that the Duke game will offer later in the week that this is, for this Carolina team, the ultimate trap game of the season so far. Yeah, and, and it's just about bringing the right mindset in. Um, you know, you, th- this is another road game. And to me, that's that's the thing that you're hoping is the saving grace, is that this team realizes that you have to bring it. Look, this is not going to be the most hostile environment that you play in. This is probably going to be one of the least hostile. Now, I will say this. It is a whiteout, so Georgia Tech clearly trying to generate some sort of buzz for this game outside of the fact that it's just Carolina coming to town. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's going to be a midweek game, the week of the Duke game, against a team that is below 500 overall, below 500 in the conference, so yeah, it could be easy to sleepwalk in this game, especially with the fact that you're nine and zero in conference play, and you've probably thought you, you, they probably think a little bit, hey, we can stroll in there, not play our best game like we've been doing at times on the road so far this season, and come away with the victory. But I think you know this is one of those games that they should be looking to sort of correct some of the issues that they've had the last couple of games um, and and really get themselves into a, a, a good rhythm heading into that Duke game. Like, this is one of those games you'd like to see them come out and get off to a fast start, something that they've really struggled with, so that hopefully that's something that could carry over into the game against Duke. And... I mean, you'd like to see them clean things up a little bit defensively, a little bit better than the last two games, the way that they've played in the first half. Because Hubert Davis has not been, you know, ecstatic about the way they've played defensively in either half, and you can really see why because both teams have shot the ball pretty well in those first halves overall. But I think that's going to be the thing: is can you come out, put together? your most complete game in a while, and use that as the springboard going into a matchup that, yeah, as you said, is, is probably the, the the most hyped matchup since Roy Williams and Coach K uh, departed. Yeah, and it's, um, it's another reason why I hate being 9-0. and And it's a really weird thing to say because I like being 9-0 and in the ACC. I like having the 
two game and a two and a half game lead that Carolina has built. But if we're being honest, in Carolina's run, there's been slippage, and they they're not playing at as high of a level this week as they did the week before, or two weeks ago, or, or three weeks ago, which is natural. Um, this is the longest winning streak the, the winning streak this core uh, has put together. It's the longest winning streak this program's put together in almost seven years. Um, and you just don't see in modern college basketball teams run off seven, eight, nine wins consistently because there's too much parity in the sport. Um, and we, you know, we kind of talked about this leading up to the Florida State game, and it's kind of weird. Like a loss would probably serve well for this group because it gives them a chance to get refocused. It's a lot easier to take the coaching um, whenever you're coming off a loss as opposed to still being coached hard after wins because that's just human nature because you're winning. And until you lose, you're, you're going to think that you're, ne- you're never going to lose again. The problem is, is that if Carolina were to lose this game, it, it's like this is what we call a seed line loss. Like, this could be a loss that comes Selection Sunday when we get our bracket. You know, Carolina right now is a one seed, a healthy one seed. You lose this game, you're you're falling down to the two line, no questions asked. Uh, but on the flip side, like, don't want the first conference loss to be at home against Duke because no one wants that feeling. It's the worst feeling in the world, losing at home to Duke. And Carolina, I think, just just finds themselves in this weird position, right? Because they're not going 20-0 in conference play. They're going to lose a game. Um, you know, and, and, and frankly, you don't want them to go 20-0 in the conference because it only adds pressure for them to, go, to succeed at the ACC tournament. And then when you get into the NCAA tournament, but I look at it and say, I don't want to lose to 9-11 Georgia Tech, but it's still better than losing at home to Duke next Saturday night. Well, I mean, picking and choosing which games you actually lose in conference, it feels easy. It feels like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't mind losing that game. But then when you actually look at it, especially with where some of these teams are right now in the ACC, like you could say that, man, that that team that you say that about, they could completely collapse. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting back at the end of the year and you're saying, man, I really wish we wouldn't have lost that game. But then you think back and say, oh, at the time I was hoping that we lost that game. That's that's the weird thing about where they're at right now. And it's been a very long time since we've been here. And, you know, the last time we were here, we were a lot younger. And in our minds, we didn't really think about things like that. But you kind of, from just being around the sport, being around sports in general outside of really football because I mean with football your mindset is always win as many games as you can it's such a short a short season you've seen teams that have been historically great like that that have gone on to do special things and win championships in these sports I mean you can't you you can't make long runs like that I mean there are teams that have done it before but it's very very rare so I mean yeah it's it's weird you <laughs> Because, yeah, you you wouldn't necessarily love to lose this game. It would be frustrating. It would be one that, honestly, for this, this one, I think, if you lost this game, there would be that thought in the back of your head that would say, okay, yeah, we probably needed to take a loss here somewhere before that Duke game. But is there something to be concerned about? Because you lost to this Georgia Tech team? So, yeah, it's it's definitely... 
it's definitely in that weird territory. Now, the thing is, is, of course, the players are not thinking that. The players are thinking, let's run the table here in this conference. Let's find a way to win every game the rest of the way this entire season and cut down the nets at the end of the year. So they're not going to be thinking like that. But yeah, as a fan, it's 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 hard not to sit back and think like that the further and further we go without a conference loss. Yeah, it's it's just it's just a really weird position to be in. Um cuz I've stressed to the fan base, hey, last 5 years hasn't been fun. Let's enjoy it. Here we are 9-0 in the league and I'm finding it hard this week to enjoy it, but if you're a championship caliber teams, this is part of it, man. Um, and you find ways to motivate yourselves against a bad opponent, and you find ways to not lose at home against a quality opponent. Um, I think it just really goes to show you the weird nature that you can find yourself in during a college basketball season. Um, and that's what Carolina is right now at 17-3, and 9-0 and in conference play. Well, now let's talk about how they can improve to 10-0 and because I don't think we want to come on here and complain about a loss to Georgia Tech, I would prefer not to. Um, the first key to the game I have is be ready to play and create your own energy. Um, you mentioned there's a wideout, so yes, there will be a little bit of uh, energy in the arena. McCamish Pavilion is one of my favorite venues. I think it's very beautiful, and the lighting does uh, the court justice. But not a lot of fans show up, historically. Um, and kind of like when Carolina goes to Boston College, a lot of Carolina fans are going to be uh, in the arena because the Rams club in Atlanta um, does have strong membership, and they always show up, show out when the Tar Heels are down in the ATL. With that, though, you got to be ready to play, um, and I think it's something that you know Carolina did a better job at that against Florida State. You ran out to a 19-8 lead, but ultimately you find yourself trailing. 41 to 36 at the half, but Florida State's a better team, better program. Um, Carolina's going to have to get get themselves going, get because there's not going to be, I wouldn't think, this lively crowd um, to feed off of, and um, this is where you need that senior leadership that we've talked so glowingly about: R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott, Cormac Ryan. You need that to show up and show out in a big way to get the heels off to a fast start on the road. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's really the thing I'm going to be looking for the most in this game. This this is one of those teams that you should be able to get off to a fast start against. And look, Carolina's had a few of those teams here to start conference play, especially when you look back at where teams are at now. But Carolina just hasn't been able to do it. This is one where you would love to see this team really settle into a rhythm. It would be nice, again, if if some of the shots could fall because it seems like, for some reason, we saw it again against Florida State, for some reason, to begin games, there is never a mindset of, let's get downhill to the basket and try to score that way. That would make sense because it would get you some easy points on the board early, but it seems like they 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 look to the outside shot. It's basically, hey, let's test to see if the outside shot is actually going to fall today. Hmm, no? Okay, well then we'll, we'll start putting the ball inside. Um, so, I, I mean, it'd be nice if some of those shots could start falling from the outside early because when they do, it seems like Carolina has been able to really get off to great starts, and as a result pull away from opponents. I think that is something you'd like to see in this game, so hopefully 
you know, those shots fall. And, and the other thing is get off to a good start defensively. Create some turnovers out of the gate. Get some early stops and really throw Georgia Tech at a rhythm. You don't want to allow Miles Kelly to get himself going that early in the game. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, Carolina's got a chance to do it in this game more than I think any of the ones that we've seen here recently because I do think they really are just that much better than Georgia Tech. Second key is to contain Miles Kelly. You look at his production and the upset win over Mississippi State. He scored 22 points whenever uh, shut up Corey Alexander. When they upset Duke, he scored 16 points. And so in their their two upset wins, he combined to score 38 points, played at a high level. He's their best player, and he's their he's the he's their only player capable of of willing Georgia Tech to a victory. Um, and you know I think. Carolina will be up to the challenge to to not let that happen. Expect to see multiple guys defend him, Davis, uh, Cadeau, Ryan, Trimble, maybe even Withers put on him just to put a bigger guy on him um throughout the game. But um, you know, this this is this is a this is a guy that, you know, will be looking to play well at home against another ranked opponent, get another big win for his team under their their first year head coach and and Carolina's got to be mindful of not letting one of those dudes have a career night that comes back to bite you in the butt. Yeah, I, I mean, look, the thing is, is that recently they've done a really good job of preventing that. Um, that was, you know, a, a, a such a huge problem early in the season, but they found a way to iron that out. They figured, I, I don't know if the plan again was early in the season. Hey. A guy's having a great night. Let's literally just try to take away everybody else so that we, you know, somebody else doesn't beat us later on in the game when that guy cools off. I have no idea. But, you know, Miles Kelly is their one guy that can really, really affect this game, I think. I, there's some other guys that are that are solid players, but he is the one guy that you look at and think all conference type of player. I think if Carolina's focus is to take him away, they're capable of doing it. We've seen the way that Elliot Cadeau has really, you know, developed as a defensive player as the year has gone along. Seth Trimble, we know how good of a defender he is. I think the key is defend without fouling. Don't put him at the free throw line. And if you can do that, I trust that this group will be able to slow him down because once they've gotten into conference play, especially, and even before that, you know, you look back at the game against Oklahoma, when Carolina really focuses on taking away a team's best player, they have been able to do it for the most part. So I think that'll be a, a focal point that this staff will be hammering home, and I expect them to do a good job against them. Last key to the game, because we're, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it, is Carolina's just got to control the little things. This feels like a game if they make their free throws, they don't turn the ball over, and they win the the, the rebounding margin. It really makes it hard to envision a, a path for Georgia Tech to win the game. Um, and look, you got to be crisp in those areas. You still got to go out there and execute it. But I, I, I'll be pretty, I'll be pretty depressed if if they get out rebounded by Georgia Tech. I'll be pretty upset if they commit as many turnovers as they did. On uh, at at Florida State over the weekend, and I think at this point they're shooting, you know, in the high seventies from the free throw line. You expect this group to make their foul shots, um, so I don't think that's got to be a concern. 
But as long as Carolina really does, uh, you know, win in those areas of the game, it's really hard to imagine Georgia Tech coming out of this game victorious. With that, we'll go ahead and make our predictions for this one. Carolina enters with a 86.8% chance to win the game. So that number may be not as high as you think it would be against a team that's 2-7 and seven in the ACC. But, you know, I think you look at their upset wins over Mississippi, Mississippi State and Duke, the, uh, the BPI is going to respect that. I'll let you go first. Who wins the game and why? I think Carolina wins it. I think that this is one of those games that you know maybe maybe in years past you you really do worry about. That with this team, I don't worry about this. I I think one they're just too talented to fall in this game, and two I I I trust that Hubert Davis and that the leaders on this team will have this group with the right mindset going into this game. I I, I don't find. Any reason to be concerned? I think Carolina, you know, comes out, hits them in the mouth early. I uh, expect another, you know, another really good game from R.J. Davis, Harrison Ingram to continue to do the things that he's doing, and uh, I, I like this to be one of the games that Cormac Ryan shoots the ball well. It's been a couple of games. I think this will be one of those times where he settles in to a nice rhythm, and if he shoots the ball well, especially in the first half. I think Carolina is looking at a pretty significant win. I think that ends up happening. I like Carolina to win this somewhere in that 15-20 point range over Georgia Tech. Yeah, I think Carolina wins as well. I think their best chance to to get beat before the Duke game was the Florida State game. And Carolina was down by five at the half and won by seven. Um, and, and so it's really hard to to see them going on the road against a lesser opponent and losing, um, so I do think Carolina will run out to their you know uh, a ten and zero start, which I I think would be their best since 1987, 1988 when they went undefeated in the regular season, going fourteen and zero, the first team to ever go undefeated in ACC play. Um, so I do think Carolina will win their eleventh straight game, stay hot, stay rolling, um, and really set up what what should be a uh, dramatic showdown against Duke next Saturday night. Well, no matter what happens, we'll have you covered HeelToughBlog.com where there's a preview of the game will be posted by Monday evening where we'll get you ready for the matchup with the Yellow Jackets. And I'll be with you Tuesday night recapping the game um, as I continue to take you through the basketball season. As for football, Carolina got their 2024 schedule. Anthony has a breakdown of that. He wrote well, he wrote an article about which defensive line targets Carolina should be interested in the transfer portal. Any news and notes that come out of the Keenan Center, he'll have you covered as we're getting closer and closer, believe it or not, to the start of uh, spring ball um, as the college football offseason uh, goes by quicker than you think. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, that's going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do you want to thank Anthony for hosting with me? We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>